Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Ryan Shaddy. I'm Colin Schaffsberger. And I'm Jeff Poling. On tonight's show, we have our featured music and the LGBTQ area event calendar. We also will be discussing this week's LGBTQ plus news headlines. But first, as you may have noticed, we have a new member of our staff. Tonight, we want to spend a few moments getting to know our new board engineer, Jesse Grubb. Good evening. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks. Jesse, you've uh, you've been with us now for three weeks since Sarah left, I believe. Yep. A little longer, just uh, just uh, on the back end, learning from Sarah. Uh, you had big big shoes to fill, fill, and we're definitely happy to have you here. But uh, you've been doing a great job thus far. So, um, just a few things that we want to learn about you. Uh, we do this with each and every one of our new volunteers, and you are not going to be. Uh, not included in that not included in that list so uh, the first thing we want to know is is uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself where you where you grew up and just a little bit about about your background well my name is Jesse Grubb I'm 19 I've lived in Bloomington my whole life in the same house and everything and I am going to be a sophomore at IU in the fall I just finished my freshman year um, I'm studying cinema studies in the media school so it's a little bit about me. <laughs> now, Jesse, how do you identify? Um, I'm a female. And what, what, what do you mean? Sexuality-wise. Oh, my sexuality. Yep. Um, well, I don't really think I am decided yet. I've had girlfriends and I've had boyfriends and I don't really see a difference. Like, love is love and people are people. So... I haven't really came to any grand conclusion on my sexuality yet. Just, I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we're, I mean, that's perfectly fine. You fit right in with everybody else here, so that works pretty well. Um, so when did you come to that conclusion? Obviously, you still haven't, I'm going to rewind there, you haven't come to a conclusion quite yet, but when did you realize that maybe uh, love is love? Um, definitely during high school. I hadn't really considered like being gay or anything before then and it's definitely when I like experimented with the same sex so um that's when I realized like wow this is the same <laughs> like I feel the same for a boy and a girl you know like I don't know did, did, you, <laughs> did you find that um your your friends any of your friends um were also in that same boat or situation um, or, yeah, I, I feel like even if we were quiet about it, we knew mm -hmm. like each other when like we knew, um, I, that we could be loud about it and they wouldn't care, you know, like we could talk and, um, when you say they wouldn't care, I, I, I love that. Um, could you just kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, just being from Bloomington, I feel like it's a overall pretty accepting community. And in high school, we had like a gay straight alliance that I could find like some 
security or like support in if I needed that. So I just felt like there wasn't anyone out to hurt me or get me for having those thoughts or feelings. So overall, just like a pretty safe environment. It sounds like you had a had a, a decent time growing up, and especially in a community as as easygoing as Bloomington. Um, but did you have any homosexuality issues growing up? Were, were, was anything said in the family? Was anything um, said at at school? Where what what were your issues? And as a nineteen year old, I'm, I know this is going to become a loaded question here, but as a nineteen year old, how have you seen um, maybe homosexuality as a uh, different than maybe it was even when you were 10 years old, for example? Um, it's a good question. Um, as far as, um, having like backlash from being gay, um, my best friend actually told me I was going to hell for it. So that was, um, something that really like put a, like a, a lot of stress on our friendship and, Um, We just, like, can't really talk about that anymore. And that's something I'm fine with because her friendship means so much to me. It's just like, you know, this is part of me, but we can ignore that and we can still be friends. And in my family, like, I'm not really out to my grandparents. I don't feel I have to be. Um, So, but if I don't, I don't know if there would be a problem if I did try to. Um, And how have... How have I seen homosexuality change since I was 10 years old in the past nine years? Um, I've definitely came to better terms with myself and just um, seen the world change. And gay marriage, you know, is legal now, which is a big step. But, yeah, I think there's still steps to take. And I am glad I will be alive to see more changes happen, hopefully. You and Colin are uh, roughly the same age here. Um, both went to Bloomington High Schools. Uh, first off, did you both go to the same high school? Did I don't think we did. Were you north? Yeah. Yeah, I was south. Yeah. Okay. So uh, growing up in two different high schools, um, same age, uh, what's something I, – I, I wonder what the differences are between how people who went to north – uh, perceived sexuality versus how people went to South perceived sexuality and, and where the difference lies. And especially since you are the same age, there has to be some sort of difference, uh, in there. Um, and, 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 you know, you two, this isn't maybe a, a time to hash that all out, but, uh, to think about that and, and see and compare and contrast the high schools and, and see where maybe, uh, these issues are taken better. Uh, that would that would be a good thing to do at some point. Um, but on top of that, what what do you want to do? Uh, in ter- rather, let's let's rewind back to our original question here for a second. Um, when you were fifteen, sixteen, uh, what was school like at North in terms of these issues? Were they bad? Were they good? Have they gotten better? What what do you see happening? Mm. I saw a good effort made by Bloomington High School North to make it a more supportive, inclusive community for the students. Um, they had they opened gender neutral bathrooms either my jun- I think my junior year, and um, they made a good effort to use the pronouns 
kids wanted them to use and the names they wanted them to use on like their diplomas and like on announcements and all kinds of things just trying to you know find those students and know how they want to be respected and treated so yeah I think it a lot changed when I was in high school um my sophomore year, I ran for homecoming court with one of my best friend who actually told me I was going to hell for being gay. She and I ran for homecoming together because we were like, let's be different. Let's be two girls at homecoming. That sounds fun. And like, <laughs> even though we weren't a couple, we were like, we want to like, you know, see how people will react. Mm-hmm. So we did that and they actually wouldn't let us win because we we're two girls. We got enough votes we got more votes than everyone else but they were like this isn't a couple's thing this is a male and female thing and we fought back and we got to go on the homecoming float thing or whatever with another couple they made us like have another male and female couple there too so that is one thing that i was like why are you doing this like why can't you just like we won so just let us have it but yeah, you, you think to um, other schools in the U.S. who have been um, a little bit more liberal in, in allowing their students uh, to, to go out and be out. And, and um, you know, a couple a couple of lesbians ran a, a homecoming court. A couple of gay guys have run a homecoming court. So why wasn't that possible in Bloomington, even though you weren't even a couple, you know, mm-hmm. and what I even what I find even more interesting about this all is that this is with your best friend who said that you were going to hell. So, yeah. you know, that that is really interesting that she was even willing to let you get in with this. But what did she think about that? Well, it was my idea kind of I was like, I want to be homecoming queen because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is, you know, I could do it. I wanted to make posters. I wanted to like promote myself, I guess. Right. But she was she was all for it because we'd been best friends since kindergarten. So she just wanted to support me. And she was equally upset when they said, mm-hmm. you guys can't have this. She was like, why not? We deserve it. We worked our butts off to make all these flyers and to tell people to vote for us um and yeah we had seen so many um same-sex couples winning homecomings so that's also why i was like let's try this out here and see what happens very interesting that might be something that we need to bring up to to greg chaffin the next time we have him on the show when we when we speak to him about these things um jesse what do you hope to uh, get out of uh, volunteering with us here on Blooming Out? What, uh, what's something that you really are looking forward to? I'm just looking for more radio experience. I've had a few radio shows, and um, none of them have been talk shows, so just gaining more confidence being on air and meeting more people. And, yeah, just I want to add, like, a female voice to the show, I think, and a younger voice to just a different perspective. And Do, do yeah. you consider yourself much of an advocate as far as, you know, political, wanting to change things, or, or, um, or is it just, you know, interesting and, and you're, you're, you're enjoying just the, the daily, you know, finding out what's going on? in in the Mm -hmm. lgbtq community i wouldn't say i'm an advocate because there's so much more 
I would have to do to want to call myself that. But I definitely want to push boundaries where I can mm-hmm. and um, like that, just like learn myself. And That's a great advocate trait. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. So, um, so what do you hope to, to, to bring to the show? Like, like something that you feel that, that it could use, not that it's, it's missing necessarily, but just something you'd like to, to add to it. Like I said, just the female voice, um, a different perspective. Like, I don't know, really. Definitely a different perspective, uh, a different generation's perspective. Mm-hmm. It, it is what I'm seeing, and and that's what I'm really loving about what we can do here. We have people from of all different ages, all different backgrounds, obviously all different sexual orientations and gender identities and everything. And um, anyone listening, I s- encourage them to contact us if you're at all interested in being a part of this really great group. We get staff uh, that that comes in and out, and especially if you're listening and you've been listening for a while, uh, Jesse proves that, and and, um, Sarah before her proves that anybody can can get here on Blooming Out and volunteer in any capacity and be welcome here. So, um, you know, we enjoy Jesse being on the show definitely. And we want to learn more more things from her over the course of over the course of her tenure here on the show. So we have uh, some great sophomores, uh, rising sophomores on the show. Three of them, in fact. I didn't realize that we had three sophomores here on the show. Now, wait, wait, um, wait. I'm a junior. Oh, you're a junior. Sorry, Come on. Colin. Goodness. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so two rising sophomores and a rising junior on the show. Um, but you know, there's plenty of opportunities for anybody to get involved. Jesse, what, what has, uh, has been your favorite thing thus far about learning what you're doing? Mm, My favorite thing about learning what I'm doing is being like, you guys are open to mistakes, which of course we don't want mistakes, but just like when something happens, it's like, this is what you do next time. This is how it can be better. And it just feels like I'm learning and getting better with each show. So, And especially if that's going to help you in your career, what, what future plans do you have? Um, well, like I said, I'm going to school for cinema studies, which I don't really want to make movies. I am a Gemini, so I like making projects fast and just getting one thing done and moving on to the next. So, um, But what I want to do is pretty much just like in the music scene i want to like make music videos and make music and um, i also make a zine so i like interviewing people and writing about and for those who don't know what a zine is it's a magazine it's it's a self-published magazine mine is called shut up and listen which features female identified musicians and artists We've put out six issues so far in like seven months, so it's a pretty fast-paced <laughs> little project I've got going. Congratulations. So, yeah, I just want to continue with that, see where that goes, and I don't know. I love radio, too, so I've got a lot of options. <laughs> sounds like it. All right, Jesse, thank you for joining us today, and also thank you for all the work that you've already done, and we can't wait to see what else you have left to do. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jesse. 
And it's now time for our first music break of the evening. Rising musician Julia Weldon released Tuesday her newest song, Till the Crying Fades, and an accompanying music video, which honors the 49 lives lost on June the 12th, 2016, in Orlando's queer nightclub Pulse. Weldon invited director Alessandra Lacaraza and producer Justine Lee-Violette to create a video that celebrates the diversity of the LGBTQ community as drag queens, dancers, and local artists are featured in the film's colorful cast. The location of the video is aptly set within a queer bar, which La Carraza says underlies the importance of safe spaces for marginalized communities. La Carraza also felt it was important to highlight the tragedy as something that especially shook the Latinx community, saying, While the attack on Pulse deeply affected the whole LGBTQIA community, it disproportionately affected the Latinx community as most of the victims were Latinx. Weldon's new album, Comatose Hope, focuses on the dark realities of the world and how these occurrences deserve to be acknowledged rather than overlooked. She found inspiration to create the album after falling into a coma a week after receiving gender-affirming surgery. The singer experienced major setbacks after waking as her damaged sensory perceptions made simple tasks like walking, talking, and eating a challenge. Her perseverance led to a speedy recovery and to create a Kickstarter page to fund Comatose Hope now scheduled for premiere on July the 13th. With Till the Crying Fades, here is Julia Weldon.
We are back here on Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Ryan Shetty, and we've got Colin Schassberger and Jeff Pulling on board with us this evening. We have a lot to talk about uh, this evening, but the first thing we really want to talk about, and, and first off, you, you want to know who, who that uh, song was by. It was Julia Weldon with Till the Crying Fades. And um, as with last week, we are here, and there, there seems to be a lot of items to talk about in the news world. And we're going to continue th- that discussion with our coverage of LGBTQ plus issues around the world. And one of the first things I want to f- talk about is an advocate article. And I'm going to read the blurb first before we discuss that article. Danica Rome has won the Democratic primary for the Virginia House of Delegates 13th District making her the first out transgender candidate to win a Virginia state legislative primary and giving her a chance to be the nation's only out uh, trans legislator if she can be one of the most anti-LGBT lawmakers anywhere. Rome today bested three other Democrats, and in November she will face Republican Bob Marshall, who has represented the district for 25 years and is known as Bigot Bob and Sideshow Bob for his extreme anti-LGBT stances and other far-right positions. This is as serious as it gets, Rome said. We have a chance to change the narrative. She did not run for herself, she added, but for all LGBT people. Rome told the advocate she will fight for transportation, not discrimination, as the district sorely needs improvements to its highways and expansion of mass transit. Her other priorities include jobs and education. But Marshall, she said, has been focused on proposing anti-LGBT legislation. Just this year, he introduced a bathroom bill that would not only prevent transgender students from using the restrooms that match their gender identity, but require teachers to out trans kids to their parents. He used the debunked argument that in the absence of such a measure, men would pretend to be transgender prey on women in restrooms. Gentlemen, it goes without say that these folks need to be focused on other issues. There are other issues to focus on uh, rather than social issues. And unless you're progressing social issues, we shouldn't be focusing on them at all. Let's go back to uh, what Rome said. And um, uh, she wants to focus on transportation issues. That is something that's sorely lacking in this country. It's not just it's not just social issues all around or guns, 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 as the Republicans would like us to believe, but we have other things. Transportation is sorely needed. Um, what do you think should be a focus of uh, Sideshow Bob or Bigot Bob as, as uh, these, these folks should be on? You know what he's going to focus on in this, in this campaign. He's going to focus on Rome's sexuality uh, or, 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 excuse me, uh, Rome's gender identity. So what can we do to help these legislators? And obviously he is already in there in the 13th district in Virginia. Um, what can we do to help them move along and, and realize that there are more important things to focus their efforts on? Well, I love the fact that, that Rome is, is, is going after these important issues that her, in this case, um, re- Republican, um, can uh, you know, opponent, um, is not going to focus on because in my opinion they're not going their their butter isn't you know that what their bread isn't buttered on that on on the you know it has nothing to do with transportation for them it's it's all about social issues it's all about any anything where they can um fire up the religious right 
um, anything like that. That's that's where they get their 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 power. But I find it incredible. I find this incredibly ironic because I mean, here you have, uh, in my eyes, a stereotypical you know, very, very right Republican who, you know, I, I feel like ever since the North Carolina bathroom bill, they've been so focused on, oh, my gosh, what if this happened? You know, but here you actually have real tangible issues such as transportation, worrying about, you know, oh, no, you know, what if somebody, what if a man pretended to be transgender and, and went into the bath? That's not going to happen. You know, the chances of that happening are so unlikely, but your roads actually need to be fixed. And and if if you think about it, isn't maybe that one of the reasons why our country is so behind? Because we have this group of of of, of people, mm-hmm. this this force that is making it all about social issues, making it all about you know religion, church separation of church and state, all of that. And and while all that energy is being focused on that. There's no there, there's no thought to well, you know we are one of the uh, the uh, countries that is, is sorely behind on 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 things that um, could really move us forward. You know, communist China that that is so focused on dictating every single thing of their of their citizens' lives. They have got it right right now where they're focusing on energy issues. They have got it right right now where they're focusing on transportation issues. They've got it right right now where they are um, building buildings that have urban gardens on them on every single floor of high-rise buildings. Mm -hmm. While we sit here in America on our fat butts... And that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I caught myself. But while we sit here in America on our fat butts and we don't do anything about issues that are important, we focus on things that are not going to help us 10, 15 years down the line. There, there are so many issues. And, and another example, uh, you, say, you say China. Well, I was just reading about Japan and school lunches and what they actually how the, the school lunches in Japan um, are prepared, what they serve them, that they are not only part of the process of making food, but also cleaning up. I mean, it, it, imagine trying that here. <laughs> it wouldn't work because our, our children are too privileged. So, you know, that <laughs> those things won't work, JP. I didn't say that. I did. <laughs> um, and meanwhile... Uh, this just came out today that the Commerce Department uh, kills employment protections for LGBT people. Um, sexual orientation and gender identity protections have been removed from the Department of Commerce's Equal Employment Opportunity Statement. In a statement signed by Secretary Wilbur Ross, the department pledges that, quote, the Department of Commerce does not tolerate behavior, harassment, discrimination, or prejudice based on race, color, religion, sex, national origin, age, or disability. We will also provide reasonable accommodations for applicants and employees with disabilities. And then as BuzzFeed points out, sexual orientation and gender identity protections have been included since 2010, and other tweaks were made to the language as well. So this goes on to prove that at a national level, we are not going forward with the progress we've made since 2010, but in fact regressing, and and it's specifically because of this administration who claimed to be, uh, at least at the very top, pro-LGBT until 
he surrounded himself with anti-LGBT cabinet members and a vehemently anti-LGBT vice president. So whatever you were thinking, if you are an LGBT plus person that voted for Trump, that is not who he is focusing on. And and we know that it's not always single issues that we're focusing on. And, and, and I know that I'm not a single issue voter, but um, these are protections that are needed. And these are protections that, that we need to focus on. Um, but on top of that, we need to be focus, focusing on roads and transportation and and making people equal and not pushing people down and so forth and so on. Stuff that we are terrible, terrible as a nation doing. Time for our top of the hour. This is WFHB, listener supported in Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville. Community radio for South Central Indiana and online at WFHB.org. The weather right now in Bloomington is 83 degrees Fahrenheit. Tonight, there's a 20% chance of thunderstorms with a low of 66. There's going to be some fog in the morning tomorrow with a high of 89. And tomorrow night, there's a 30% chance of thunderstorms again with a low of 68. It looks like it's going to be pretty rainy for the few days after that, so make sure you have your umbrella. Now back to Blooming Out on WFHB. All right, well, we're ready to get back into the second music break of the evening, and this is queer post-punk band Absolutely Not. They released yesterday their single City Creatures, which will appear on their debut album Errors. The song, originally titled Privileged, tells the story of pompous elitist folks with money dictating what's relevant and what's not. Frontman Donnie Moore says, Musically, it's an ode to every slick pop rock post-punk song that came before me. I hope people are tapping their feet on public transit to this song. Absolutely not, City Creatures fits seamlessly into the Chicago band's dark comic sensibility and fresh glam rock sound. It's a natural follow-up to the first release of, or off, Ayers Strictly Top, and promises an awesome debut album. Here is Absolutely Not with their newest single, City Creatures. Yes. 
was City Creatures by the band Absolutely Not. Support for WFHB and Blooming Now comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College Avenue in the alley behind Atlas Bar. For more information, you can go to their Facebook page or their website, bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarrylands Men Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. You can find more information about their group online at quarryland.org. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. And continuing on with tonight's show, we would like to take a little time discussing the issue of being out in sports. Uh, and this is from Outsports. This week saw new champions crowned in the NBA and NHL. And along with the current champs in the NFL and Major League Baseball, we have four teams who are LGBT supportive. The Golden State Warriors team president Rick Welts is openly gay. Head coach Steve Kerr has said he wants gay players to come out. I think a lot more athletes and people in the sports world will need to come out before we really see the change, he said last year. Kerr also said that gay slurs need to be treated the same as racial slurs. I think the NBA needs to treat it exactly as they would a racist word. It's the same thing. It's discrimination. The Pittsburgh Penguins LGBT ambassador Chris Kunitz was a key player in the Penguins' playoff run, and he is the first player since 2005 to win four Stanley Cup titles. The New England Patriots have an owner in Bob Kraft who has long supported LGBT rights, as did his late wife Myra. The team also is donating $25,000 in its sponsorship of this fall's Gay Bowl, the annual LGBT-oriented National Flag Football Championships. Finally, the defending World Series champion Chicago Cubs have a co-owner who is openly gay and Laura Ricketts. The Cubs have annually supported a float in the Chicago Pride Parade and has had the longest-running LGBT Pride Night out at Wrigley, which first started in 2001. JP and Ryan, uh, what has to be done in order for more people to come out in athletics? Well, you know, it, it does start with these head people uh, in, 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 in the head offices, the president, the general manager, those people creating an inclusive environment that makes all people feel welcome no matter their race, color, sexual orientation, gender identity. And, and that's where it stops, uh, starts. Uh, president Truman said it best when he said the buck stops here. And when you create an all-inclusive culture, you get the ability for more players to come out, uh, or you have the ability for more players to come out. We think to Michael Sam, who played for the, last played for the St. Louis Rams, uh, but hasn't went uh, with any other teams lately because um, they're too nervous about his sexual orientation. There, there are teams that uh, just won't get him because of that. That might be a good opportunity for New England to pick up Michael Sam, for instance, um, since they do have a a. Uh, a supporter in Bob Kraft. Not that I like the New England Patriots or any or anything like that, but uh, you've got to start with the top, and that is where you start. When we start thinking about uh, ways for athletes to come out, it, it becomes a little varied here. 
some some people don't want to be out. I, I read an article earlier this week um, about a uh, about an actor who plays a gay character, but has never been asked about his sexuality in the seven years that he's played this gay character on television, which is pretty impressive that he was never actually directly asked about his sexuality. He identifies as gay. But the one thing he said was that, uh, well, nobody ever asked. So I just didn't say anything. Well, until people start asking questions and feeling comfortable, then and and knowing that you're going to be comfortable with with the fact that you're gay, uh, that's that's probably going to be the time when more out players happen. We've got to think of how many sports there are, not just not just professional sports, but intercollegiate sports as well. Uh, students still have a hard time coming out in college, uh, but you have outlets like Out Sports, which allows. Um, LGBT athletes to write their stories and it, it, it's pretty impressive the stories that come out of there uh, in fact IU has had an, an out swimmer write a, uh, have, have an article done uh, about him in the in the um, in out sports so uh, these venues are great ways for professional athletes to start coming out you look at other countries that don't quite have this problem at least any longer, you've got Tom Daly uh, in in Great Britain coming out in the swimming and dive team for the Olympics. There, um, you have uh, Ryan Mincham down in down in uh, Australia. Uh, you have even more players um, out players. Um, Mia Hamm, I, I do believe she's a, a lesbian uh, in soccer, and these are all uh, great great opportunities for people to come out and, and use those folks as role models. Yeah. And, and coach Steve Kerr is a hundred percent right because you can't be encouraging athletes to come out and then still allowing the gay slurs to be, you know, shuffled under the carpet. It, 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 it should be treated as a racial slur. It is discrimination. It is not right. It's, it's so, that needs to be amped up. You know, and in our community, it, it I don't like making comparisons to to race in any means, but the F word is as bad as the N word to to some people in the gay community. Um, and and you know when you see that mouthed by a player uh, on national television, and, and it happens all the time, you see it, you see a, 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 an NBA player or an NFL player, uh, even in the locker room that happens, you see them mouth it, um, right. th- that, that, that weighs on you and you know it, which, which is more, which, which slur is more acceptable, right? You're, you're absolutely right. Well, my knowledge of sports is pretty much what I just read live on air a few minutes ago. <laughs> but, you know, trying to understand this this problem in sports, you know, it kind of really makes me think of when I was in high school, you know, and I was in the closet for most of high school, you know, and, and it's kind of almost like the same thing where that wasn't an environment where, you know, it, it was an environment where people were saying gay slurs, you know, and people were making jokes like that. You know, those it's probably why you didn't getting, want to come out. Right. You know, I finally came out my senior year because I just couldn't live the way that I was anymore. But, you know, that was not an environment that was encouraging for people to come out. And I imagine, you know, I don't know a lot about sports, but I imagine that, that you know, it's a lot of the same, except even more when you're on national television and that's being televised. And, you, you know, you see those words. Why would those players have any incentive to come out 
you know, especially when that's going to be flashed on ESPN and all over everything. Yeah, and and more players like Michael Sam need to to take that step, and it, you know whether it's in the NBA, whether it's in NCAA college basketball, whether it's uh, whether it's in NCAA football, players got to be in these major conferences willing to do it at some point and not worry about what their teammates are going to say. Because likely, as soon as their teammates know that they have a have a have a gay player on their team, you're either a going to change a lot of minds, or b welcome them up to welcome them to acceptance really quick. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's one of those things where until players are willing to do it, uh, you've got a nervous locker room just even thinking about it in the first place. So. We've got some new statistics for you from the Pew Research Center about LGBT Americans. Here are five key findings about LGBT Americans. Number one, Americans are becoming more accepting in their views of LGBT people and homosexuality in general, and the number of people identifying as LGBT has grown in recent years. For example, 63% of Americans said in 2016 that homosexuality should be accepted by society, compared with 51% in 2006. Perhaps as a result of this growing acceptance, the number of people who identify as LGBT in surveys is also rising. About 10 million people, or 4.1% of the U.S. adult population, identified as LGBT in 2016, according to the latest estimates from Gallup. Number two. Bisexuals make up the largest share of LGBT Americans. In Pew Research Center's 2013 survey of LGBT Americans, 40% of respondents said they were bisexual, while 36% identified as gay men, 19% as lesbians, and 5% as transgender. Number three, gay men and lesbians are more likely than bisexuals to be out, according to the 2013 Pew Research Center survey. Bisexual women are much more likely than bisexual men to say most of their friends and family know about their sexuality. The overwhelming majority of bisexuals who are married or in a committed relationship have an opposite-sex partner, which may contribute to the fact that bisexuals are less likely to be out than other LGBT Americans. Number four, most LGBT Americans say they have never lived somewhere that is known as an LGBT neighborhood. According to the 2013 survey, 72% say they have never lived in one of these neighborhoods, while 14% say they have lived in one in the past, and 12% say they currently do. Number five, there there are demographic differences in who identifies as LGBT. The most notable is by age. Young adults ages 18 to 36 are by far the most likely to identify as LGBT, coming in at 7.3%. That is actually, you know, as we start thinking about uh, these issues, science or research has, has suggested that 10% of, of um, the population is LGBT of some sort. But the, the survey is saying only 4.3% identify that way in the U.S. And that still could be because of acceptance in quite a few ways. Guys, what, what do you think? In these anonymous surveys where nobody's going to know what you are and somebody calls you, do you think that these are more more accurate, these surveys are more accurate, or is science research more accurate in this area? Well, uh, I think that it's as accurate as it can be. 
you know, because you're right, whereas it's an anonymous survey, no one will ever know. So if people are in the closet, I think they're more willing to write that down. But I think you also have to remember that some people are just in flat out denial. Some people don't even realize that's what they are, or they've convinced themselves that they're not. So even if they are, you know, handed one of those surveys, they're still going to put down, you know, something else. So, you know, and I remember being in a place like that, you know, where I was in complete denial about being gay. So I, I think that it's the, the most accurate that it can be. I remember in high school taking a, <clears throat> a survey uh, that was that was a little off-putting to me that I, in, in a way, because I remember how I wanted to answer it, and I remembered how I did answer it, and it wasn't the way that I wanted to answer it, and it was about sexuality, um, and they they had a neither. They didn't ask, so uh, it, it was like straight um, female. I, I can't remember what, what all the categories were. were. Um, but at the time I marked down by, uh, or, or maybe this was even my freshman year of college. It was somewhere in there. I marked down by just because I wasn't comfortable with how they worded the question. I wasn't comfortable with a lot of things about that question. So, you know, this 2013 survey identify, and, and this was, um, this was research that they, they really just collected, but a lot of this research is, is even new, even newer. Um, they have got to understand that yeah this is what what polls are showing and great but this is probably not a real true reflection of what uh, the lgbt community makeup in america really is so when people think only 10 million people out of 300 and some million people that are in this country are the ones that are screaming for rights that's probably not the case probably closer to 32 33 million and we've got to think of that in terms of how this can hurt the community, how these views can hurt this, this, this isn't a view, this is a, a research, how this research can hurt the community, but also how it can improve the lives of others later on as well. Right. Well, this headline comes to us from Reuters and proves that we still have to march for our lives. More LGBT people were killed in the United States in 2016 than in any of the 20 years since record-keeping began, with the total boosted by the deaths of 49 people in an attack at the gay club in Florida last June, according to a report from the National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs. Excluding pulse victims, 28 Americans who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender were killed in 2016, which was up to 17% from 24 killed the previous year, according to the annual report. The number of killings last year was the highest since 2012, when 25 LGBT people were killed, including pulse victims, murderers, and LGBT people rose 217 percent in 2016 not all those killed in the nightclub attack were lgbt the enormous tragedy at pulse nightclub in concert with the daily violence and discrimination that pervades our lives as lgbtq people have created a perfect storm of fear and trauma for our communities this year melissa brown at the kansas city anti-violence project a member of the coalition said in a statement the coalition, which has released the report since 1997, 
said LGBT people remain vulnerable to violence in 2017, especially in what it described as the current incendiary political climate. Recent executive orders, as well as ongoing efforts to pass anti-LGBT legislation and rollback protections at the city, state, and federal level make LGBT people vulnerable to identity-based discrimination. Beverly Tiller with the New York City Anti-Violence Project said in a statement, LGBT people of color and those with disabilities were more than twice as likely as whites and the able-bodied to be the victims of harassment and non-fatal forms of violence, the report said. Most of the victims knew their attackers, who commonly included employers, neighbors, landlords, and family members, it said. Gentlemen, I wrote the script this morning, um, and I reordered these news items a little bit, and I made this one follow after the last one for a reason. These are statistics. Uh, both both sets here are, are statistics about the LGBT community, and both are big issues. This one is an even bigger issue. I highly doubt that it was only 28 people last year. We just discussed filling out surveys. How many of those people, how many people, I mean, did the government not track because they didn't know or they didn't care? That, that is a, that is a, a question. And this number um, is punctuated because of a point that I found today that LGBT hate crimes are still happening every day. And even in this community, just last night, um, outside of one of the nightclubs here in town, um, some people were yelled at for long, a, a very, very long time right outside of a nightclub uh, by somebody who was also yelling racial slurs. And it is it is depressing to know that had somebody come on loose or bar staff not, not helped out, uh, that something bigger could have happened, and this would have been one of those reports. So to think about all of these issues and and know that these are just statistics that probably aren't even accurate of the true number of LGBT hate crimes, specifically ones that involve killings that happen per year is astounding. And to know that we have so much work, more work to do, not only here in our own community, but nationally is something that we have always got to keep in mind. What we see happening today is not normal folks it is not something that happens yesterday shooting of a congressperson not normal what we see in today's society is not normal and it's only going to take um, more people to report these things knowing and being confident in what they are doing that this becomes a real national issue we've got one more story before we end tonight uh, from STL Today, and it proves why to us why the Cubs are better than the Cardinals in the MLB. That's that's my words, by the way, folks. Some baseball fans are boiling over fr- former Redbird slugger Lance Berkman speaking at the upcoming Christian Day at Bush Stadium, set for July 30th. Landon Brownfield, Pride Center of St. Louis's secretary and co-chair, has released a statement lambasting the move. 
Pride St. Louis is disappointed by the decision of the St. Louis Cardinals to provide a public platform for Berkman, an individual whose words and actions towards the LGBTQ plus community are divisive and demeaning. In a statement, the Cardinals organization said the Cardinals have hosted a Christian day at the Barrel Park for nearly three decades. Lance Berkman participated in Christian day when he was a Cardinals player, and we welcome him back this year to discuss his faith. The team statement continued to say that the Cardinals will be hosting our first Pride Night later this season, which will be bring members of the LGBT community together to enjoy Cardinals baseball. Brownfield said the Cardinals and his group talked mo- Monday afternoon to work out possible dates for the theme night, and added that the free bird that Fred Bird will be featured June 25th in the Pride Fest parade. Um, you know, as I said, the Cubs have been doing that for years. Uh, having having this sort of uh, openness about the LGBT community, and it's it's kind of impressive that a city like St. Louis hasn't been so open to that community. That is all the time we have for tonight's discussion, gentlemen. Thank you for your views on this evening's news. It is now time for our final music break of the evening. Selena Gomez's "Bad Liar" music video, directed by Jesse Peretz of Girls and Orange, is the new black just came out. And it's a cinematic, artful, potentially queer masterpiece. In the film, Gomez takes on four different roles. That of a young, shy high school girl in the 70s, a man who seems to be the the school principal and the girl's dad, and the sad, beautiful mother of the young girl. Finally, there's the cheerful blonde gym teacher with whom Gomez's principal character flirts with. Throughout the video, the girl keeps looking over, hopefully, at her gym teacher, Crush, and by the end of Bad Liar, she's shown caressing a picture of her that she keeps hidden underneath her pillow. And thus, Gomez has created the 70s queer high school drama we've so desperately needed in these troubling times. With Bad Liar, here is Selena Gomez. Walking down the street the other day Trying to distract myself But then I see your face Oh wait, that's someone else Trying to play a coy Trying to make it disappear But just like the Battle of Troy There's nothing subtle here In my room there's a king-size space Bigger than it used to be If you want you can rent that place Call me an amenity Even if it's in my dreams Fraction of my mind. Oh, every time I watch you serpentine. Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, not to think about you. No, 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 not to think about you. I'm a bad liar I see how your tension builds It's like looking in a mirror You're touched like a happy pill But still all we do is fear What could possibly happen next? Can we focus on the love? Paint my 
kiss across your chest. If you're the eye, I'll be the brush. Ooh, you're taking the perfection of my mind. Oh, every time I watch you serpentine. Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, not to think of you, no, 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 not to think of you, no, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, not to give in to you, no, 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 not to give in to you. Guess I'm a bad liar. And oh, baby, let's make reality, actuality, a reality. Oh, baby, let's make reality. And that was Selena Gomez with Bad Liar. And to finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. HIV testing will continue to be provided by Positive Link throughout the summer on the first and third Thursday of each month at the LGBTQ Plus Culture Center. This free, confidential 20-minute testing can be scheduled by contacting the LGBTQ Plus Culture Center. An IU staff member is forming a meetup group open to Bloomington area LGBTQ plus adults of all ages. If you're in town and would like to join like-minded folks for fun social activities, Learn more by visiting www.meetup.com slash Bloomington LGBT social meetup. The annual Kentuckiana Pride Parade and concert will take place tomorrow, Friday, June 16th. The gates open at 6 p.m. with the parade beginning at 7 p.m. Full entertainment, ticket information, and sponsors can be found at kypride.com slash festival. Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central Indiana will celebrate their grand opening at a new location on June the 20th. The ribbon cutting ceremony will begin at four and uh, will be sorry between four and six p.m. and light fr- refreshments will be provided. Chicago will be hosting their annual Gay Pride Parade on Sunday, June the twenty-fifth at eleven a.m. Eastern Time. And Bloomington Pride will be holding its Orlando Pulse Remembrance and Picnic on Sunday, June the twenty-fifth from one to three p.m. at Bryan Park. The memorial will also be a discussion on ways we can all support LGBTQ plus people of color, particularly in the Latinx community. The memorial will be followed by a free, family-friendly pitch-in picnic. Donations will be con- uh, collected for the One Pulse Foundation. Barbecue pulled pork, chips, water, and soda will be provided by Kroger, but please bring your own dishes to support the pitch-in. Bloomington Pride Fest will be a day-long celebration on Kirkwood Avenue on Saturday, August 26th. Note the new name as this was the previous Bloomington Pride Summerfest. More information can be found on Facebook. And that is all the time that we have for you this evening. We would like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200. Tweet us at BloomingOutWFHB, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and music procurer is Grace Thumser. The news director is Olivia Davidson. Our board engineer is Jesse Grubb, and the assistant board engineer is Josephine Douglas. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out 
by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Jeff Pulling I'm, and Colin Schasperger, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out.